0: All right, everyone, welcome back to this episode of Return. We are going to keep talking about the theme of our last episode, which was really looking at uh, why Israel is important, why we as believers need to be talking about Israel and having a biblical understanding about Israel. And so we are going to keep talking on that theme today, specifically with how to deal with anti-Semitism. So... Stay tuned. Okay, so if you have been following along with the news this past week, you um, will be aware of just all the different events and things that took place. Um, Unfortunately, uh, there was a shooting in Chabad, I think that's how you say it, or kawad, of Poway. And that took place on the last day of Passover. Um and actually the last episode that Benji and I had recorded together, we had our we had recorded it last Friday. Then the shooting took place the next morning on the Saturday morning. And um actually while the shooting happened, I was attending a friend's bat mitzvah which, I mean, as you know, is the Jewish coming-of-age celebration. So I was literally in a Jewish community center celebrating my friend's coming-of-age while the events of this shooting uh, took place. And so it just kind of makes all of this the rise of anti-Semitism in America. It just kind of, for me, made it even feel closer to home. And I just actually want to start out by... Talking about some of the statistics that we've seen recently about the rise of anti-Semitism in America. Um, As a lot of us know, there was obviously that shooting in the Pittsburgh synagogue in October 2018. But there was a study done by the Anti-Defamation League. The study was known as the ADL Global 100, which was researching attitudes and opinions toward Jews in over 100 countries around the world. And uh the study was done between uh July 2013 and February 2014. So this is already a couple years old. And out of the four billion odd people that they studied, uh 26% or over a billion adults uh held anti-Semitic attitudes. And they asked a variety of questions. You can actually find the questions on their website, it's the, the Anti-Defamation League website. Um, You can see the questions that they asked, but over a billion or 26% of the people that they studied, all adults, held commonly uh, anti-Semitic views about the Jews. Um, Then we get this statistic from the FBI that hate crime incidents targeting Jews and Jewish institutions in the U.S., spiked about 37% between 2016 and 2017. And this was data that was released November 13th, 2018. So this is just a few months old. But the FBI showed that the Jewish uh, people and institutions were the most frequently targeted, um, accounting for 58.1% of all religious-based hate crime incidents in the U.S., And Muslims were the second most frequent target at 18.6%. But anti-Jewish percentage, again, that was 58.1% of the targeted hate crime, religious hate crimes in America. Uh, We've also seen a lot of um, anti-Semitic tweets come out from different representatives in Congress. I'm not going to name the people, but you can... Do your research if you're interested in finding out more Um, people saying that Israel has been hypnotizing the world um, and that Israel, uh, that basically uh, pro-Israel sentiment is all about money. Um, And then also just this past week on Thursday or Friday, we saw the New York Times recently uh, released that cartoon, which was a very anti-Semitic cartoon of President Trump being blindly led by Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu of Israel, who was depicted as a dog on a leash with a, a collar with the Star of David on it. Now, those kind of cartoons were rampant in the late 1930s leading up to uh, the you know Nazi Regime and all of that stuff. And so to see an anti Semitic cartoon like that on mainstream American media is very disconcerting. And lastly, the New York Times also, this just happened last week, they published an op ed which claimed that Jesus was a Palestinian instead of a Jew, which that's not only an anti Semitic claim, but it is also very historically inaccurate because Jesus obviously, Palestine didn't even exist during Jesus's time. It was renamed that later on um, as uh, kind of like, you know, something to stick in the face of Jews for having been, been kicked out of their land. Um, so all of these things to say, we in this podcast really want to talk about and address the current situations that we're seeing happen in society And we want to look at it from a biblical perspective and obviously talk about, okay, we're seeing the rise of, you know, this happen. Anti-Semitism has been around a long time and there's always been traces of it, but why are we seeing an increase of it now and what should our response be? So Benji's here with me.
1: I'm disgusted by all of these numbers (laughs) and just all of these things are it's crazy
0: yeah no it especially just in the recent like in the last two years having seen from the statistics just that it's on the rise that is very disconcerting but i want to talk about for a minute ezekiel 35 5 because this is a verse that you and i have talked about um a bit in the past you actually kind of brought it up maybe around a year ago and we were both just kind of astonished at it. Ezekiel thirty five five talks about it's in quotes the eternal hatred found yeah. against Israel. Just yeah, give us some of your thoughts on that.
1: Yeah. So is God condemning um, this anti-Semitic sentiment and spirit that that wage war against God and against His people? And eventually against the church at the end of the age um but the the beginning of this anti-semitic the, the word anti-semitism comes from the rejection of the of the election of Shem. and genesis 10 you have you know post flooding and we know the story we know that Shem is the only one that takes uh, a blanket, it puts it on the nakedness of Noah, which is representing God. There is God, God chosen one, God apostle, God send one, God preacher. Is the authority of God on the earth and the one who actually was used to save the world. And he gets drunk and all of this situation. And Shem is the only one who's covering the weaknesses of Noah. And the other two specifically can uh, is is laughing about his dad. And so we know that when... Ham.
0: In English, it's ham. Ham? Yeah.
1: Can is from canon which it's in Spanish. Um, so Ham is the, is the one that is laughing about his dad. And, and we know that after he comes into his senses, he curses um, Ham. And he says, you, the way that God is going to redeem you is through humility. So it's, this whole anti-Semitic is, is saying no to humility. Because he's saying, um, Shem, you're going to rule over your brothers because of what you've done. And Ham, you're going to serve your brother. And that's the term anti-Semitic. is anti-shem, anti-God-chose-Israel. So what do we see the next chapter in Genesis 11? Instead of... Of serving uh, Shem, we see these uh, uh, Nimrod and this Babylonian city with the Tower of Babel saying, We're not gonna fill the earth, we're gonna gather together, and we're gonna be the first nation and the first city that is trying to overpower you, God.
0: Mm-hmm. We don't
1: care, we're gonna oppress our brother instead of serving him. So it's all about humility. So that's why we when we say anti-semitism is the rebellion of humanity against the the chosen one.
0: The election of God. The
1: election of God, the sovereignty of God. It's not even against a, a group of people. It's targeting God. It's saying, We don't care what you've chosen, the way that you've that you've chosen to rule over the earth, which is humility. We want to do our own way by exalting ourselves against you. So, that's the root of it. And uh, this is going to just flourish at the end of the age. And uh, it has happened. Uh, When I uh, visited the Holocaust Museum in Washington, D.C. in 2012, it shocked me that, uh, it was shocking to me that they said that in average, every 40 years for the last 4,000 years, there has been a persecution and slaughtering of the Jewish people in different ways. Every 40 years, wow. still the Lord has prevailed, and still the Lord has preserved His people. So um, just the numbers that you're bringing up, after 70 years, it hasn't even been 100 years, we still have people alive who were in the Holocaust, in Auschwitz, in Second World War, and we now we have a culture of anti-Semitism that to me is very alarming, but also is a sign of the time that that Jesus is coming soon. Yeah. So that it's in a nutshell what anti Semitism is. Yeah. It all points back to God.
0: The rage against his choice. Yeah. Which is what we talked about in the episode briefly last week of it started uh yeah, well actually it's if we're going even further, it's what you're talking about. It's Noah from Adam, we can see the traces up till Noah. Th- the blessing comes through Shem. And through sh- um, Shem, you know, there's Abraham and, yeah. and the election of the family that through the descendants of Abraham, all of the earth would be blessed. Yeah. So the rage against the Jewish people really is the rage against God's election of a people. But interestingly, and this is where... um. The enemy has brought just so much blindness is that Israel's election isn't just for herself. That's why we see in the New Testament that yeah. actually Israel's full salvation, and if they receive Jesus as Messiah, it ends up being a blessing to the whole earth. Yeah. So, th- I mean, that's part of the mystery of all of this. But just that verse in um, Ezekiel 35, 5, which names anti Semitism as an eternal hatred speaks volumes because it talks about obviously things that have happened in the past, but also a hatred that we see, um, in the future. And even, I mean, this is crazy and I don't, we don't have time to develop the context for this, but we see even anti-Semitism at the very end of the millennial kingdom, which is crazy that there's a, just an anti-Jew, anti Jesus hatred that comes even after the end of a thousand years of Jesus ruling and reigning on the earth. But I want to talk, uh, just the remainder of this podcast. I want to talk about what does the scripture have to say about our response as believers? What is it that we need to be doing? Um, thing, you know, how should we be responding? How do we live our lives? biblically um in response to the anti-semitism that we see happening in the earth
1: yeah i just want to point out first uh what you were saying that uh, the election of god towards israel is not for israel's sakes first and it's part of our gospel mm-hmm. as gentile believers and this is in galatians i mean it's many parts galatians 3 7 and 8 it um it says that this was the gospel was preached to Abraham basically. And he's saying that he was very clear to Abraham saying through you, I'm going to bless all the Gentile nations, all of the nations. So we need to start by saying, this is part of the gospel. It's not an option. If we are believers of Jesus if we believe, if we have the faith of Abraham, we need to accept the whole gospel. So uh, by having that clear, then we need to know, okay, God, you have a plan. And as Gentiles, we are called to have the opportunity to give now our lives for the sake of a people that have been blinded because of us. And now we get to have the Philippians 2 having the same feeling of the same heart of Jesus that as he gave his life for us, now the Gentiles are being called at the end of the age to give our lives as a sacrifice for a Jewish people, which is the greatest honor to give our lives for a people. And um, Reggie Kelly said this that really impacted me a few years ago. He said, when Jesus came back, when Jesus came for the first time, he came for his own and he had the right to open the eyes of the Jewish people and they will be accepting him. But he decided to blind them to save us, the Gentiles. And he said... um,
0: Without violating Israel's free will. the I mean, it's the sovereignty of God demonstrated.
1: Yeah, but he could have just opened their eyes, but he blinded them. Mm -hmm. Because he was thinking about 2,000 years of great harvest. Yeah. And Reggie Kelly said this. He said, the Jewish people are... The alabaster, um the alabaster um, perfume poor and broken at the fear of the Gentiles. He took Israel and said, "I'm gonna break them for two thousand years, and this is gonna be my love offering for you Gentiles. Yeah. Um, so if we get that, that we were not part of the equation, <laughs> and because of his mercy, he grafted us in, we, our natural spiritual response should be, how can we serve you, God? Use us to save them now. Yeah. So, um, yeah.
0: I want to actually develop that because the book of Romans demonstrates perfectly what it is that you're talking about. And that is that, okay, we look at the book of Romans as believers. And, I mean, the book of Romans is widely celebrated as, like, the gospel you know, just the plain layout of the gospel yeah. in the New Testament. I mean, the book of Romans is so many people's favorite book of the Bible because it's just incredible and it's powerful. But what a lot of us don't know about the book of, uh, sorry, about the book of Romans, which maybe you want to talk about for a second, is Paul's, like the audience that Paul is writing to in the context that he's writing it about.
1: Yeah, so in in a nutshell again the book of romans is for the first time uh you know you have the gentiles coming into acts chapter 10 and for more than a decade you have jews and gentiles coming together and the gentiles they're mostly romans Barbarian with a lot of no context about nothing in the gospel. They don't
0: know about the covenants. They don't know nothing. about Israel's history with God. Yeah, it's none like of
1: it. I can picture a, a Jew trying to talk to a, a Roman filled with the Holy Spirit saying, Yeah, like Abraham said, and wh- wh- you who's know, Abraham? Who's, <laughs> who's Abraham? Like, which part of the world is that? It's like, No, you know, so the Jewish people had 4,000 years of context. And now they have to kind of babysit the Gentiles. So, but there was perfect unity in the beginning. But then a Roman emperor came and anti-Semitic and just kicked them out of Rome for three years. That uh, I think it was
0: Claudius.
1: I don't remember the name. But then another one came to Rome in power, and he knew that the Jews were good for, you know, for uh, business for <laughs> businesses, and so they they brought them back and. And they came back after three years saying, we're here. And he said, we, for the first time, the Gentiles said, we don't need you guys. You, you guys killed Jesus. And, and then you have this contention for the first time. Peter couldn't fix it. John the apostle couldn't fix it. So they have to call this am- amazing apostle that is leading a revival in Acts 19 and 20 in Ephesus that has the authority and the attention of the Roman church, which is Paul. So, But Paul is in chains in in Rome, so he is writing uh, the book of Romans. So the book of Romans is a letter to the Roman church that is becoming to have anti-Semitic roots to say, don't celebrate the feeling of the Holy Spirit for yourself, because the fullness of Gentiles, of the Gentiles, is for the salvation of, of Israel. So that's the point. So you have... Uh, The book of Romans broken in in a few parts, but it's Romans 8. You have the power of the Holy Spirit. But if you want to walk in maturity, then you have Romans 9, which is the apostolic heart of God.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No. And that's it exactly is the book of Romans is like this incredible. I mean, even lawyers talk about how Paul, this is like Paul's brilliant um, just layout of the gospel and the way that he presents it. Yeah. So, you, you know, each chapter is building on the chap- each chapter. And then we get to Romans 8, and it's like, what can separate us from the, from the love of God? You know, neither principalities or power, all that stuff. And we find Romans 8 most of the time is this climax. But right after Romans 8, we have Romans 9 to 11, which is all about Paul saying, yeah. therefore, literally right after chapter 8, therefore, in light of these things, it's a setup. Yeah, I tell you the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. My conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and continual grief in my heart for I could wish that I myself were a curse from Christ for my brother and my countrymen according to the flesh who are Israelites. That is Paul's lead up from Romans 8, which I was just reading um, Romans 8 the other day and in some ways it struck me too because... I, I just see the the beauty of God's plan for Israel woven into Romans eight where it even you know it is that climax of the verse of what can separate us yeah. from the love of God? you know, neither this nor this, nor this, nor this. And all the day long we're, we're counted as sheep for the slaughter, but we're more than conquerors in Christ. And it just remind me right because right after it goes in talking about Israel, it's also what can separate Israel? from the love of God. Yeah. Even though they do not they have not received Christ as of yet, his promises and his covenants toward them are so enduring and he's so faithful to them that nothing that Israel could do would ever set, separate
1: them. Yeah, and that's from the real God. context of these super quoted verse. I used to quote without understanding that the gifts of God are irrevocable. I used to think, "Oh, That's talking about my the power to preach and prophesy, which is yeah, part of, but Paul is talking mainly to the Romans, saying God chose Israel, and that's that's not never gonna change. Yeah. No matter what they did, God has a covenant and He's able to fulfill it. Yeah. You know, so
0: and individuals obviously have free choice. God it does not override people's free choice, but we do see the promises in scripture that when Jesus returns, all of Israel will be saved and everyone who is alive will say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So there is a day when all of Israel will be saved and will receive Jesus as the Messiah. But the book of Romans, it's like, okay, yeah, you have the gospel and then you have chapters 9 to 11, which clearly lay out the case for why Israel is still a part of the plan of god why the church hasn't replaced israel and it's just incredibly obvious and then interestingly enough romans 12 follows right after that segment of romans 9 to 11 and romans 12 1 is paul continuing in that same theme and he says i beseech you therefore brethren therefore in light of everything i just told you about israel I beseech you by the mercies of God that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable
1: service. And next verse says, renew your mind according to the good will of God. To So the, the renewing of the spirit of your mind is not just have a better mindset, have a better idea. See
0: yourself better. You yeah, can do it. Self-help.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's not this Christian sentiment that we have only related to ourself is in context, is talking to us, the Gentiles, renew your mind according to the plan of God related to Israel. Don't live for yourself, but present yourself as a a living sacrifice for them. Yes. Not for yourself. That's the context of uh, Romans 12, verse 1 and 2.
0: Yes, exactly. And so this whole podcast is what is our response? Well, ultimately, this is what. Uh, Jesus is calling us to as a church. Yeah. That we would actually be prepared to be living sacrifices, which means we're giving of our lives, we're giving of ourselves, we're giving of our houses, our resources. We're, I mean, whatever, we're ready to take a stand for Israel, regardless of persecution, regardless of defamation, regardless of what it costs us. We would be ready and willing to give our lives for our brothers, which is the exact example that christ gave for us that he would he laid down his life for us
1: and it seems to be very clear that now in the nations it's starting to we are starting to have the opportunity to prove this yes to actually demonstrate this because he's going to cost us to stand for israel today is the easiest it's going to get tomorrow is going to be more difficult and the day after tomorrow until the day of christ I just want to give some headlines again before you continue, just to put in a few words what Romans is about. Romans 8, apostolic power. We love that. We need to graduate from that and move on to Romans 9. Romans 9 is deeper than Romans 8. We need to start pursuing revival and power of the Holy Spirit. But then Romans 9 is the continual, the, what you were just reading, the continual pain and sorrow in our hearts for the people of israel that they are the chosen ones and they are not saved right now so uh, romans eight apostolic heart uh, apostolic power romans nine is the apostolic heart of god which is deeper which leads you to romans 10 the apostolic prayer romans 10 1 is my prayers for the salvation of israel which leads you to romans 11 which is apostolic understanding the, the mystery of god towards israel And then uh, uh, Romans 12 is the apostolic action that you live as a human, as a living sacrifice to put in action how to stand for Israel. We cannot stand for Israel if we don't go through Romans 8, then Romans 9, Romans 10, Romans 11, and then therefore Romans 12. I just love the sequence that Paul gives you there. But yeah.
0: Yeah. No, it's massive. And we know from Scripture that, God is raising up his church to take a stand with Israel uh, today and in these last days. And if we look at the example of the Holocaust, unfortunately, the church was largely unaware of God's plans and promises towards Israel. And therefore, we see the church, very few people in the church took a stand yeah. with, for Israel. We have a few examples, Bonhoeffer, the Ten Boom family. But f- by and large, for the most part, the church got swept away with the tide of what was happening in Nazi Germany. And we know just in light of what scripture says is about to come in, in the days and the years ahead we as a church must be prepared to take a stand for Israel. And we see actually in the book of Revelation, Revelation 12, that it talks about the dragon or Satan coming to make war against Israel. She's portrayed as a woman in in Revelation 12. But Israel receives divine help. But what happens is when when Satan um, can't reach the woman or can't reach Israel, it says that he goes to make war with the rest of her offspring, those who hold to the testimony of Jesus. And so even throughout Revelation, we see, I mean, John opens the book in Revelation 1 saying, I um, hold to the word of God and to the testimony of Christ, which is, I, I see the Jewish people as holding to the word of God, but they don't hold to the testimony of Christ. They don't believe Jesus as Messiah, but we see in Revelation that Jews and Christians alike are going to undergo persecution from the enemy because of holding to the word of God and believing that Jesus is Messiah. But we're in this together. And yeah. so we must be prepared to take a stand for God's plans and purposes for Israel, which aren't devoid of the fact that we believe jesus as messiah that's the whole thing is gentiles we get the opportunity to demonstrate christ again quoting that verse that christ laid down his life for his brothers for his friends we get to be the example of that to jewish people in the midst of the end times which ultimately we see is the gentile church leads israel to provocation So that's a massive part of Israel's story of salvation. But another just quick takeaway point from this podcast is we see in Scripture, specifically um, Isaiah 62 is just a a blatant one about how God calls for intercessors. Isaiah 62, 6 says, I've set watchmen on your walls, O Jerusalem, and they shall never hold their peace day or night You who make mention of the Lord do not keep silent. Give him no rest till he establishes and until he makes Jerusalem a praise on the earth. So our job as a church is to continually be praying, continually making intercession to the Lord on behalf of Israel, that he would make her a praise on the earth and until um, he establishes her righteousness. Uh, We just talked about some of those verses in Romans where Paul's talking about his desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they would be saved. And we actually also see that the Lord commands us to sing on behalf of of the sake of Israel. Um, Singing is actually a big theme in the end times. Maybe that's something we can develop in another podcast. Um, But Jeremiah 31 verse 7 says, Thus says the Lord, sing with gladness for Jacob and shout among the chief of the nations, proclaim, give praise and say, O oh Lord, save your people, the remnant of Israel. So we're called both to pray for her as the church and to sing to her about her prophetic destiny.
1: Yeah. And uh, later in, in verse 10, in Jeremiah 31 it talks di- directly to us, the Gentiles at the end of the age. He says, listen to this message from the Lord. You nations of the world, so that's us, proclaim it in distant coastland, coastlands, coastlands. Coastlands. The Lord who scatter his people will gather them and watch over them as a shepherd does his flock. Um, so it's, it's a commandment from the Lord to us to sing and to proclaim that. God is not done with Israel. Yeah. That God that is scattering and has a future discipline for Israel that we are about to see at the same time as Satan and the nations will rage against them, God is raising up friends of the bridegroom and friends of Israel that will sing of gladness that is saying and and we see it also in Isaiah 52, uh, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news, which is what... Paul is quoting in Romans nine in context of a hey, Gentiles, your feet are beautiful when you take a stand for Israel and in the midst of their tribulation, you're singing that your King is coming. It, you know that that's yeah. how beautiful are the are the feet. Is not just to preach the gospel in the streets. In context is Gentiles taking a stand at all, against all odds, saying. Israel, God is scattering you because he's disciplining you. He's searching for your heart. Satan, you're trying to destroy her in the midst of, of her discipline. Nations, you hate them. But let me tell you, that carpenter of Nazareth is coming for you, and he's your husband. Yeah. You will be called Hephzibah. His delight is in you. And so we are being called as forerunners, Friends of the Bridegroom in context mainly to stand for Israel. Yeah. Which is a beautiful story. And it's also it's gonna cost us. Right now we get to say this kind of stuff in this podcast and everything, but actually YouTube just banned a couple of my videos because I talk about Israel a little bit. And he's not banning me completely, but he's getting more and more narrow, the things that we get to say. And then the stupidity of the sinful stuff that you can say, it's opening wide. But standing for Israel in truth is getting narrower. And, uh,
0: Which is why it is so important for us to know, again, to know what the Bible has to say about yeah. this to your point to feel that apostolic burden, the heart of God related to Israel and to speak with boldness about it. It again, it is never going to be easier than it is today, which is why we have to start talking about this in yeah. small groups among our churches. What does the Bible say about it? Why don't I feel a burden for this if, you know, if if you don't? Yeah. That's something that even again we're called to be intercessors for Israel. Sometimes the thing I pray for before the Lord when I when I'm praying for Israel is that he would give me his burden for Israel. Yeah. Cuz if it's something just that we is rest in our mind only, we can talk about it, but we can talk about it completely devoid of compassion and love for pe- for his people. But that's the whole point is God is so madly in love and so deeply committed to his people the whole point is that they would come into contact or into contact with their beloved with their bridegroom that they would know his love and his zeal for them and so we can't preach God's love towards them if we have not felt and do not know about his love towards them
1: it's true it doesn't come for osmosis, but for reading the scriptures.
0: Yeah. So, God, help us. Help yep. us feel your burden. Help us feel your heart. Help us give our lives as living sacrifices for the Jewish people. And help us to know, um, yeah, just even what that looks like in, in day-to-day life. Well,
1: well Big subject <laughs> is m- much more than just a couple of podcasts. Yeah.
0: I guess that wraps it up for today though. Yep. All right, you guys, till next time.